What the? Mike, did you pick this? What? Hey, welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Terrian. And I'm Scott Lieb. We're two friends who are following Jesus into the joys and challenges of everyday life. Good morning. Well, good morning. It's another uh, fine, fine day here in not-so-sunny Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Actually, it's, it's, it is kind of sunny. There is some rays of light wow. coming through. I feel like we should not be in here and we should be outside running or just, you know, skipping. And, you know, it just doesn't happen often here. Eh, well, it is cold still out there. But it is. Spring is coming. The birds were chirping vigorously this morning. So That's true. Yeah. It was good. But All right. Yeah. So it's it's your week. What do you have right. for us? Well, I was sitting at Mass. That's it, good. Last Sunday. Or no. It's sorry. good that you weren't it laying was, down. Or, yeah. Well, I, I was at Mass at, on Ash Wednesday with you, actually. you were. I was behind you. That's right. You're always hiding in the back. Yeah. Well, I wasn't in the back. <laughs> I'm like in the middle somewhere, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we... Um, and and actually, last week I was working on I was working on a little something, uh, a little reflection on Lent, mm-hmm. and um, it just got me thinking that you know I think a lot of times we enter into Lent, and as Catholics we we know what it's about, but we don't drill deeply enough into why we do all these things like Amen. prayer, fasting, and and almsgiving. Yeah, and w- what what we typically hear from whoever, is, you know, Lent is not just about giving up chocolate. <laughs> like I, I could probably, it's probably a hundred <laughs> times in my life I've heard that comment. Yeah. It's not about giving up chocolate. Right. I give up chocolate. But it's often prefaced with it's not about. Yeah. So what and is And then it? they leave you hanging. It's yeah, like a cliffhanger. Well, yeah, then it's like, well, you know, we're supposed to pray. And I'm like, well, I do pray. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're supposed to do penance. It's like, well, I, I do do penances, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm supposed to help the poor. Well, I do that, too, so what makes Lent special? I mean, yeah. I, I guess I would say that if, you know, if you're a serious Christian, you're kind of doing some level of those things all year long, so what's the point of having a whole season dedicated great, to these three things? It's a great question. I even want to know the answer to that, oh. so I'm excited about this. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, so... um you know, why do we have a special season dedicated to that? And obviously, one of the obvious reasons for that, obviously, I just said obvious <laughs> three times, is that a lot of times people don't do these things on a regular basis. And so it does it does focus our attention on some basic practices of Christian living that we should put our attention on and should form good habits around for the whole year. Yeah. And we need that reminder. And sometimes we get a little soft and a little bit lackadaisical in our um, in our disciplines. And so Lent reminds us. Okay. So it's like the slap in the face kind of <laughs> like. Well, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose it's a slap in the face. Not really. I mean, it's, but it, it is a good sort of call to redouble our efforts. But I, I think more importantly, and I think we all, I think we all get that. Like most people sitting in the pew at, at sure. Mass on, on, on right, right, Ash right. Wednesday or the first Sunday of Lent, know that. Yeah, I've been sliding, and I probably got to pick up my game a little bit. And here's Lent. Yeah, I guess I can, you know. Yeah, 
make the effort. So then what happens is people say, okay, I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent. Right. Or I'll give up desserts. Or I'll stop, you know, doing my social media Mm -hmm. stuff. So it's all becomes this question of giving up something. Yeah. And that's good, but I think that never really, it almost never goes beyond that, never goes further than that. So that's what I really would like to unpack today, because Mm -hmm. I think that we got to get down to the deeper levels of the kind of psychological experience of growth. Um, So, you know, Lent, we have this tradition in the Catholic Church that um, recognizes that because of the fall, we struggle with this thing we call concupiscence. Ooh, break that open. Yeah. It's, What's that? And, and you know, a lot of people know I've heard that term. But concupiscence is, is, is comprised of three disordered things that we struggle with because of the fall. And they're just, it's, it's just kind of there in us. And okay. It's even, even the saints still struggle struggled with this because it's just a kind of almost proclivity or inclination of our fallen nature that just is there. Hmm. And we have to uh, contend against these. And those three things are the pride of life or just pride. Okay. And then secondly would be the lust of the eyes or envy. Hmm. And third would be lust of the flesh, which is just inordinate desire wow, for pleasure. Wow, you just described my entire life. <laughs> yeah. In the last 10 seconds. Yes. <laughs> So we all struggle with these things, and um, and so we, th- there are three practices that we we take on in a in a focused and attentive way in Lent that counter those three things. Okay. So mm. we we are encouraged to pray to counter pride. We are encouraged to give alms to counter envy, and we are called to fast to counter the the inordinate desires of the flesh. Oh, I, okay. Did you ever know that? No, never. That was never told to me. That's unbelievable. Are you serious? No, and that's unbelievable. That, there's a part of me sitting across from you is like, did you just make that up? Because that's a cool connection. That's unbelievable. No, that's. Never heard that. Yeah, that's right there in the catechism. Jeez Louise. But the other thing too is people who, um, you know, join religious life take three vows. Yeah. So they take the the vow of um, poverty, mm-hmm. right? To counter, um, you know, envy. Yeah. Obedience, right? right? Obedience to yeah. counter pride, and yeah. they take a vow of chastity to counter the lust of the flesh. And they we call that the evangelical life that they they live in anticipation of the freedom from those things that mm. we will have in heaven. And as a sign and a witness of the life that we will enjoy when we are no longer carrying around the hmm. the burden of of the yeah. wounded nature we have. Now so, I'm assuming that you know people are the church probably wants people to to kind of live those three aspects of Lent all the time, right? Yes. Okay. So part of the beauty of Lent is that Lent puts our attention, and it's a really great time. Seasonally, obviously, because we're going to celebrate Easter, you mm-hmm. know, and Easter corresponds with springtime and new life, and we're in kind of the dead of winter right now, and we can be kind of spiritually dead in a lot of ways, but yet, you know, at this time of the winter, um, you know, things things are happening that are emerging 
spore mm. spring. You know, there's things going on under the ground with the roots. Yeah. Uh, they're taking in nutrients. You know, the buds are forming on plants because they're going to bloom. And, uh, you know, the little, the the bulbs are pocked popping their heads up out yeah. of the surface of the ground. You yeah. know? So there's a lot of preparation that's going on, and that's really Lent is, is kind of like spiritually speaking, we're, we're, we're tending to those deeper places in ourselves, so that when Easter comes, that we are ready to receive the full outpouring of grace that comes with the Easter season. Mm. So there's certain graces that, that attend our souls in Lent, which is more preparatory, like the Lord is tilling the soil, He's he's working things out. Yeah. But that's so that we are properly disposed that when Easter comes, that the the all of the graces that come through that season can really have a, a profound effect on our lives. So there's a lot of healing and a lot of renewal. There's a lot of growth that can happen through this this period of time, the forty days of Lent followed by the you know, the the whole uh, yeah, you know, fifty days of the Easter season until yeah. Pentecost. Yeah, so it's um, you know, that's I mean, it's ninety days of our year to uh, do a lot of serious work. the The thing is, is that if we don't enter into the uh, prepar- preparatory phase of Lent, then we're not going to really experience the kind of fruit. Yeah, of 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 the Easter joy we talk about. So I think a lot of times we sort of huh. like, we ceremoniously yeah. celebrate. Sure. You know, oh yeah, I got ashes. and culture. Oh yeah, like culture. I went to McDonald's yeah. today and I got a fish sandwich because <laughs> it's Friday. You know, uh, oh, yeah. I went out to dinner and had salmon instead of a hamburger. Right, right, right. But right. like we miss, like it's, it's, it, it's good. I think the other thing I will mention that uh, we often overlook, but we, um, when we celebrate... We celebrate Lent. We do it really together in lockstep. So there's something about the whole body of Christ sort of moving in unison and observing sacred time and, and sacred practices together. Like yeah. we, none of us are eating meat on, on Friday or yeah, yeah. on, you know, Good Friday or Ash Wednesday or whatever. Right. We're all abstaining in that way. So it, it's there's something about the, bo- the whole body of Christ is acting in unison in that way. And it's the same in any, you know, like major... A feast yeah. or solemnity, um, a season of solemnity like Easter. You know, we're all supposed yeah. to be feasting that whole time and and celebrating. So there is something about the collective that that goes on there. But again, I think people just miss the deeper work that needs to be done. So maybe we can, you know, get into some of that. Heck yeah! I mean, I'm. It's it's embarrassing that I got so excited. <laughs> Whenever I heard that, because honestly, in the 49 years of my existence, um, I, yeah, I mean, Lent is always just something that kind of comes and goes every year, you know, and it's, it's a painful, it's always sort of this painful, like, uh, di- dying to self kind of thing that I know has to happen. But beyond that, you know, what I find is that I give up something or I, or I try to take something else on that is, that's difficult, but I'm miserable in the process of doing it. Like, and I, I've never, I, it's never been laid out like that. So, wow. I mean, formation right here, like it, it 40, it's never too late. I'm 49. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah. All right, but let's yeah, so let's, let's break it open. Yeah, so um, you know, let's start with pride because pride is really the, really the, the capital sin of all capital sins. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get pride mistaken. So when we when we hear the word pride, we typically think of the arrogant. Right. Yes. We think of people that are uh, full of themselves, yep, boastful, yep. Uh, people who are uh, overconfident. But the the reality of pride is that what pride really is is it's it's uh, another phrase would be it's an unholy self reliance or a misplaced self sufficiency, and I think we have to we have to delve into the psychology of that a little bit more to understand the remedy to it because we the the and, and I I go back to the story of the fall. You know, the the biggest, the problem, or the mistake, you could say, or the sin that was committed, is that Adam and Eve trusted in their own judgment. That is, they believed that when they listened to the words of the serpent, um, that what he was saying was true. Mm -hmm. They were deceived. Right. And what their eyes were open to is the reality that they actually did not perceive the threat that was standing right in front of them. And they were ashamed of themselves. They suddenly became aware of their nakedness, which is one way of saying they became profoundly aware of their vulnerable vulnerability. Yeah. And so they covered themselves. Uh-huh. That's a logical thing to do. And yeah. they hid uh, to protect themselves. And they were afraid of God at that point because of the shame and realizing we should have listened to God and not to yeah ourselves you could say or to yeah. to the to the serpent so the problem but the but but there's a deeper reality to that and the problem often and and we all experience this along the way especially early in life when we when we lose our innocence in that way and we realize like how was i so stupid to not see that mm-hmm. like you ever had that experience where you're like yes i did something i thought i knew what i was doing i realized that i did not know what i was doing and i feel really stupid about it and so what I do is then I become the arrogant, boastful one. Like I always use the example of, you know, when you're playing on the playground, playing football. Did you ever have that kid who overreacted every time he dropped a pass? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like right. you'd throw it to him and he would, it would like total butterfingers. Yeah. And then he would carry on like, like everybody didn't know he couldn't, pa- couldn't catch the ball anyway. <laughs> it's like nobody's surprised by <laughs> right. this, yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. you you never catch the ball when we yeah. throw it to you, but yeah. you act like it's the first time and like, how could I have done that? Or makes an excuse for it. Right, or makes an excuse. And so there's a kind of a blustering in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and it's the reality is, is, is when God looks upon our weakness and our vulnerability, that is our ability to make mistakes and our, our fallibility as, as, a, as a race, he's not surprised by it. Like, right. he knows how weak we are. Mm-hmm. And yet we, we live in this place of self-deception where we say, no, 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 I, I got it. I can do it. Right, right. But the reality is, is that we can't. And so we, um, we deceive ourselves into thinking that. So not only do we oftentimes get ourselves into messes by our stupidity or our poor judgment or our weakness of will or whatever. Yeah. But. Then we try to get ourselves out of the mess we got her in by the same 
poverty of resources that we have within ourselves. Yeah. Like, I'll fix this. Yeah. And then we get ourselves in to a deeper place of brokenness or we're more exiled ever than ever. Yeah. Because not only do we screw up, but then we screwed up trying to fix it. Yeah. So it it becomes and then what we do is we we oftentimes um we can bluster and become arrogant and and pretend like we're bigger than we really actually yeah. see ourselves. So is that where the pride lies? So that that is pride. Yeah. That, that's pride is is that self-sufficiency, that 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 unholy self-reliance. Yeah. Like that that deceptive belief that I can I've got this. I can take care of this. I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. But the reality is is we're not. Yeah. And so we cut ourselves off from the aid and the help and assistance of God because we not only are convinced that we can handle it, but we even more so believe that we should be able to handle it. Mm. Because if we can't handle it, that must be that must mean that we're pathetic, pathetic and, and weak, weak and, and, yeah. and so I'm going to convince the world that I've got this under control because I'm trying to convince myself that I have it under control because I'm trying to convince myself that I should have it under control when right. I know I don't. Okay. <laughs> it's pathetic. You can re- stop like, and rewind that part yeah. and really digest that. Yeah, it, it, and so there's like, the other thing that can happen, and I'll, and I'll say this too, is that people, sometimes when the wind is at their back, and things are going really well, there can also be an unholy self-reliance where we give ourselves full credit for how good it's going. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes people can be boastful in those moments or they can be arrogant in those moments when they're like, you know, hey, you know, I've, you know I'm just that good, like, you know. And then suddenly right. they hit a wall and something, you know, and the floor falls out from underneath their life and then they, they can't, their ego gets so wounded that they just can't handle right. the reality of how deluded they were in thinking that whatever success they were having was actually all them. Right. You know, it's, well, it's because I'm so smart and I'm just so clever and so whatever and whatever. And the reason because why things aren't going so well is something, something else that's not of them. Right. That caused it. Yes. They blame, you know, we can blame. So, so the, you know, the root of all sin is that kind of pride. Yeah. Because if we might in our pride, that is in our, in our, deluded self-sufficiency or our need to somehow prove to ourselves that we've got everything under control, we commit all sorts of other types of personal sin. Oh, and then in yeah. the attempt to clean up the mess or to, to, to deal with the dysfunction that we've created for ourselves, yeah. Yeah. we try to fix that yep. with other things that are just sinful and not helpful. Mm-hmm. So we just become a hot mess. Yep. So, Amen. There's a simple anecdote. <laughs> yeah, and Lent pre- presents it to us. It's called prayer. Hmm. Interesting. So we we need to spend time with God in prayer because a lot of the good things happen through that. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting because, and I I'm, I'm excited to to hear what you say about prayer because I, I'm of the opinion that uh, for you know we shared our stories recently. And I prayed, I'm doing air quotes for people that can't see, but I prayed growing up and, uh, and it's funny because while I'm praying every day, I'm, you know, at night, I'm saying my prayers and, 
in the morning, I might say a quick prayer and I would pray before meals and, you know, the bless us, O Lord kind of thing. And, um, but even though I was praying every day, uh, my level of pride and that, that unholy self-reliance that you're talking about was compounding exponentially. So I would probably look back on that and say, there was something wrong with my prayer. Like my, my prayer wasn't effective in some kind of way. And it had nothing to do with the words that I was saying, you know, but I would guess that it had everything to do with really the state of my heart. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't coming from your heart. Actually, it was coming from your pride. Like you probably wore saying your prayers like a badge. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, you know. And if I people mean, ask, do you me pray? Too, and I'd course, be like, too. oh, yeah, I pray. You know, I yeah, of course mass. I do. You know. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think even if we have a conversion-like experience and we, we, we adopt a real disciplined regiment of prayer, sometimes that can be an expression of an unholy self-reliance. Mm. Like I'm, I'm yeah. hustling for worthiness and proving to God just how... Well, he's just lucky to have me in his corner. Yeah. Um, I remember one time I have to, this is a little bit of a digression, but I was working for a priest one time and I was, um, I was, uh, I was discerning whether I wanted to continue being a youth minister at this parish. I'll never forget. I was talking to the pastor about it and he just looked at me and he says, you know, Michael, we're not lucky to have you. I remember I just Ooh. was so crushed. Wow. Talk about us like a getting my ears boxed. Mm. But yeah. I just uh yeah, it was it was cuz I was sort of going on in this kind of hubristic way of yeah. how, you know, almost suggesting that doing this youth ministry stuff was a little beneath me. Um <laughs> which is just so utterly embarrassing to even admit, but you know, I was young and full of myself. Mm. But it, it the, the, so the the point the the point of of prayer in response to the problem of pride yeah. is that we first of all in relationship with the lord we really come to know ourselves more uh, fully and more clearly and we learn humility and humility is actually freeing it's re- actually it's really liberation from delusion and self-deception because when we come to see ourselves as we truly are that is we're very fragile, very vulnerable, and very dependent creatures that need every every bit of help that God has to give us. And a lot of times that form of help comes in the form of in the in the it comes from the people that God puts in our life, the yeah. people that surround us, our friends, our family, or whatever. Yeah. Um, when we realize how needy we really are, and we we go to God asking for the things that we need because from a place of depth in our heart, we was like, Lord, I can't, I know I can't get through this day without every ounce of grace you want to give me. I know I can't accomplish anything without all the gifts that you've given me. Mm-hmm. Like when we finally get to that place of truth about who we are, we're, we're really free from the self-reliance and free from um, the delusion. But what has to happen for that to, like, so for instance, in my example of myself, you know, because I imagine there's a lot of people out there, like I was, that are under the impression that if if they're saying the right words, there's going to be some type of effect to that. You know, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be blessed or, you know, my efforts are going to be fruitful. And it's almost like 
if I do this, if I do A, then B will happen, you know? Yeah, like a transaction. Right. So so what has to happen for prayer, like, for prayer to really authentically be prayer? Like, Well, I think we have to we have to really seek the heart of God with our own hearts, and we have to really approach Him with a sincerity of intention and with an honesty. Yeah. And we have to be able to receive and open our hearts up to what He wants to give us. Now, the reality is, is that when we experience just how much He loves us and with what tenderness He loves us and, and with what mercy, it actually gives us um, the ability to let go of the pretentiousness that we hang on to in pride. Mm-hmm. The kind of, and I say pretentiousness because we're making a pretense of our life. We're pretending. Yeah. Like that's what we're doing. That's what it means to be pretentious. Like, yeah. I'm just pretending to be all put together, but right. I'm really not. Yeah. When we experience how much God loves us, it's easy to say, I guess I don't have to do that. I don't have to pretend. I can just be myself. Yeah. And here's the reality, Lord, is I'm scared as hell right now. Yeah. Or I, I feel like this is totally out of control and I have no idea what to do about it. Yeah. And the Lord is like, oh, finally, you know, like, right. here, now I can help you. Yeah. I can show you the way. I can give you the strength or the courage. I can help you let go. I can help you in any way you need yeah. help. Well, it's a funny kind of thing because I feel like, I feel like the first time prayer actually was authentic and genuine prayer for me, there were multiple things that were happening. One, it was this uh, basically hum- total humiliation, like in, in, not in a, not in a bad way, but in a way where I realized how, how pathetic I was, you know, like, and I don't, I don't mean that, in a, I don't mean that to demean myself, but the reality of how small I was and how my efforts were, you know, like constantly falling short. So it was like, basically, I like, I need, like, I need you, Lord. Like, I, I can't, I can't keep doing this. So it was like this very humbling experience of like, well, I've proven over and over again that uh, no matter how smart, no matter how creative, no matter how all the things that, that I know I, like, I possessed in terms of my own personal talents and skills, it didn't matter, you know? And there, there was a moment of like, just real, like, I had to realize that and be honest about that. And I felt like that was the first time that my prayer was really authentic and real. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say the same thing. In fact, going back to my conversion experience, if you remember, at the, you know, when I was back at the, at the house and I was on my knees praying, I said to the Lord, my way sucks. That was the first time I really admitted outwardly and perfectly openly that I had my life, I had lost total control of my life. And I, no matter what I tried to do, I just couldn't get myself out of the pits I was in. I had dug the hole that I was in. Yeah. You know, the Lord is like, yeah, you, you got yourself into this mess, which is why he said, don't look back. There's no looking back. Yeah. We're going forward from here. But that, but it was, it was experiencing the lifting of the weight from my heart after praying that Holy Spirit prayer over and over again. I, I, the Lord lifted the burden that I was carrying. And what that burden was, was I've got to right. do it all 
myself. I got to hold it all together. Yeah. I've got to fix all my problems. Yeah. And and when I turned to him and said, help, he just took the weight. Mm. He just took the burden of my pride right off of my shoulders and said, how does that feel? Way yeah. better. <laughs> so what I find interesting about that is that my my prayer, my moment like that was more of a spontaneous cry, crying out like, and yours both and both of these are absolutely genuine and authentic yours was repeating that kind of already scripted prayer that existed you but know praying but it, it was from, from the heart versus just yeah yeah huge it's, you can't i mean really that can't be understated you know or overstated it can't be overstated whatever it is like you can't say it enough that prayer really prayer is prayer Whenever it's it's coming from the depth of the heart, yeah, yeah, and and you can't fabricate or manufacture right. the humility. Yeah, you just you just you you just humble yourself, or you're humbled. I mean, in my case, I think in both of our cases, we yeah. were humbled. Yeah, and it was at that moment that we that we came to see clearly our own poverty, and. And and then you you the heart cries out to God, you know, mm-hmm. please come to my assistance, help me. And the Lord is like, you know, I've just been waiting for you. Yeah, I can't help you until you want to be helped. It was an incredibly, uh, again, in the midst of all the the pain and humility and realizations of how how small I was, like it was a freeing experience, you know, like yeah. which yeah, so. Well, so Lent is just a season of the year the church invites us to deepen that reliance on God and that experience of humility in the form of prayer. Yeah. Okay. So we we go and we pray. Yeah. If people don't if people don't have a bottoming out experience or like a like a moment of like just yeah, like where they feel so low that there's there's no other option. How, like, how can, because I, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up, like, knowing how to, how to pray from yeah. the depth of my heart, or nobody really taught, can you teach that to people? I, like, well, I mean, you can, you can explain it to people, and you can talk to people, but I, I don't think a person just flips a switch, yeah. but what a person can do is a person can try to put themselves into the presence of God and 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 make an honest examination of their their life. I yeah. mean, that's the whole yeah. point of an examination of conscience. is It's not to sit and look and say, "Oh, you know, I'm terrible because I did this and right. this and this." And yeah. but it's to really to really be honest. You know, look in the mirror and just look at all the warps, uh, warts, and yeah. you know all of the the failings and faults. Not with contempt, not with self-loathing, but just honesty and sincerity yeah, it's like yeah. you know i i just um you know i i recently last week i went to see my spiritual director and went to confession and i and I, you know the first the, actually the first thing i you know i i confessed there was pride and it's not like i haven't confessed pride in the past but the lord's been showing me in prayer the very particular form my pride was taking mm. and so i i just it, it was so like i've been listening like asking, because I've been praying, like, why am I stuck here? Why am I stuck here? And the Lord said, pride. I said, pride? Like, about what? Hmm. And I prayed for weeks and weeks. Like, yeah, what yeah. am, what do you, where am I proud here? And then he showed me, because I hmm. kept asking. Yeah, it's like, yeah. 
there, you know, he, he said to be, you know, full disclosure, he says, there's just some things that you think are beneath you to do. Mm. And I'm like, and, and I was like, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right mm. about that. There are some things that I don't like doing because down deep inside, I think they're beneath me to do. Yeah. And the Lord looked at me when I was praying about this and he was telling me this. He says, it's almost like he was saying, look at me. Is there anything that is beneath you? Is there anything I could ever ask you to do that would ever be beneath you? Mm. And when you look back at the Lord, you're like, well, I can't answer that question the way I would want to answer that question, like in my pride. Yeah. Because there is nothing that is beneath you, Lord, because you have gone to the very bottom place. Yeah. And so I can't, you know, so my conclusion was, well, whatever you ask me to do, I should do it wholeheartedly. Mm. Well, that's that was the anecdote to the pride, you know. It was the grace to say, yes, Lord, yeah. um, with a full heart of humility and recognition that whatever you call me to is what, is what, so it is seems, what I should do. No, so. I don't want to oversimplify it, but it seems like if someone is struggling to, like, you know, to quote-unquote feel like like they're connecting with God in their prayer. Um, it really, it seems like it just boils down to an authentic, authenticity of of your seeking. Like, yeah. yeah. Ask. Right, 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 right. Like, yeah. it, it, and be honest, be real. Yeah, like, don't be yeah. afraid of the answer because no matter what the Lord points out to us or whatever he touches, you know, in yeah. our hearts, yeah. he's always going to be gentle about it. Yeah. Like, I don't ever feel... Um, I never feel ashamed right. of yep. myself when the Lord when the Lord points out my mm-hmm, faults. Mm-hmm. I do when other people do because yeah. they don't say it nice. But the Lord, I'll stop doing that then. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, you're good at it. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> but the the but but the Lord has a way of looking in and loving us in those in those weak places that that really helps us realize that um, I can let go of whatever yeah. pretense I'm making of my life because there's so much more freedom yeah. and so much more life to live when I'm not burdened by that. So cool. So that's pride. That's yeah, it's pride and prayer. Yeah. Cool. Keep going. This is good. Yeah. Okay. So when I live in a place of pride, and we all know this, we, we're we're living in from a place of shame. Mm-hmm. That's the underlying psychological experience that gives that kind of like stands behind or underneath the problem of pride because pride's a pretense, right? It's a it's a show. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing that we always do is we start comparing. So when we live in a place of shame, we're always going to be making comparisons between ourselves and other people, mm. and that's where the sin of envy arises. Mm. So makes sense. The progression from pride is to envy. So we we get caught up in the in the in the comparison game. We and and that the problem of envy is, you know, first of all we want what other people have instead of being grateful for what we've been given. Yeah. And this can be take the form of not just materially like money or or you know stuff, houses, cars, blah blah blah, but Seems like it could also happen in the spiritual world, like in the in the church, in the religious sense of like envious of how somebody 
praise or envious of how somebody is, you know, connecting with the Lord or any, like yeah, their gifts, right? Their whatever gifts, gifts yeah. they might have, yeah. or, or we could envy them for their looks, their station of life, yeah. who they're married to, yeah. the job they have, right? Um, you know, their uh, yeah, any their virtues. Mm. Um, wow. So okay. we we get we fall into the trap of comparison. So we and that's the that's the lust of the eyes. We're always looking upon what others have with envy and always feeling like we are lacking yeah. what is owing to us. Yeah. And we become resentful about that rather than feeling grateful mm-hmm. for what we've been given. Right. So the remedy or the anecdote to envy is almsgiving, right? Instead of wanting what other people have, we make a practice of giving to others what has been entrusted to us. Mm. So we have to become aware of what we have to give in order to make a gift of those things to other people who are less fortunate than we are. Yeah. So it flips envy on its head. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems like that, that's really hard. It's really hard to, uh, you know, generosity is, uh, I'll admit it, generosity can sometimes be something that I struggle with. Um, like, I, especially financially, I feel like I got to hold on to, you know, I got to hold on to to my money, you know, like for my family. It's that whole discussion we had of like prudent, well, it's not prudent to give this much away. Um but, uh, you know, again, the Lord just is funny how he works because every time I, every time I y- relent, you know, and yield to, to the, the uh, er, you know, the request or the ask to give something away, it always finds its, I mean, it's, it's like scriptural. For, for me, it seems like it always finds its way back in uh, multiple other ways. And, but it's so funny because in that moment of, yeah, like, I see this this person is financially secure and they they've got a great retirement. I can tell I'm talking with them and and I feel like I'm my my future is so uncertain and there is that comparison that comes in and yeah. So I totally experience it and I understand it and man, I want to be free of that. <laughs> I'm so glad that you experience all these things cuz I don't have any Well, I told you it's like you described things. my life in the first 10 <laughs> seconds. I don't have any experience of these things, so I'm glad you have your life. That's why. Example. That's why you're my. That's why you're my friend. So I, you're the guy that I'm no. envious. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I just happen to have <laughs> a theological education to describe my my <laughs> right, own yeah, life yeah. with greater precision and accuracy. Yeah, no, right. no, I um I uh, I definitely have experienced um, envy in so many ways, and you know that. And I will like as an aside. I think it's an important distinction. Envy and jealousy are not the same. So when I'm jealous, I'm I'm always jealous in relationship to something that's actually mine mm. that feels threatened by another. So like if I'm jealous of my wife because I see some guy who's like, you know, making overtures towards her, like okay. that's a proper response. Mm. Like she's mine, like back off, right? Okay. That's God is a jealous God. Right? He doesn't share us with other, you know, false gods. Now we can sin in the form of excessive jealousy and become possessive of things, which is mm. not good. Yeah. But jealousy and envy are not the same. Envy is when we desire 
in a kind of almost uh, malicious spirit and, you know, like green with envy, mm. what belongs properly to someone else and not to me because that was oh, not wow. something that's been given. Yeah. So besides almsgiving, I, I think the, the key is, is gratitude. Uh, the key is gratitude. The, the key is to put our attention on all that God has blessed us with and to rejoice in those blessings with gratitude in our hearts because the natural consequence of gratitude is the desire to be generous. Yeah. We want to give away what we mm, know has yes. been given to us. Yes. And so if, if we want to become more generous towards others, we have to just really reflect on how generous God has been with us. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of passing it along. Um, I, an experience I had, like last year, um, we were, Lynn and I always go on a vacation, um, and I, I always try to make that vacation as utterly cheap as I can because it's not like I have, you know, a ton sure. of money to go blow on vacations, but so I save up points, you know, and I try to get free nights in hotels, and, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. and I, you know, I squirrel together every nickel and quarter yeah. I have to go yeah. out to eat, and we literally, like, last year, that sounds crazy, but, like, we just ate one meal a day so that, you know, out, so we could, you know, we fasted all day during that vacation, yeah. but we were at dinner, and, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of counting up the receipts, we're like, towards the end of the trip, and I'm like, I totally overshot, I overshot the budget, and I was like, dang it. Like, mm. how am I going to catch up on this? And and um, I had to take a trip to Seattle for my dad's funeral, and I had that big thing come staring at me. And I was, like, sitting there at the table, and there was this family. It's Lent. And there's this family, this beautiful, beautiful family, this young couple that had four kids. And I could just tell they were just such a beautiful, like, such a loving couple, such a loving family. And their kids were the most well-behaved kids I've ever seen. And they were not stern with their kids they were just, they just, they were so polite. The yeah. older siblings were helping the younger siblings. Mm. It was just beautiful. And mm -hmm. I, and I'm sitting there and I just heard the Lord say, I want you to pay for their meal. And I was like, <laughs> I can't, like, how am I supposed to? Yeah, yeah. I want you right. to pay for their meal. Right. And I was like, and they were like five kids, you know what I mean? It's a big family. I was like, and I was like, and, and I started, you know, I literally in that moment, I'm sitting there, I didn't, I, I didn't tell Lynn. But I'm just like, I'm like, I, I really struggled. But I just, suddenly my mind was flooded with all the ways that the Lord has been generous with us yeah, financially. Yeah. Just yeah, like, you right. know, he's, he's been, he has always pulled us out of tight spots and just provided in so many ways. Yeah, same. So I just did it. And Lynn was like, what are you doing? I was like, the Lord told me I'm supposed to pay for it for these people, so I'm going to do it. Anyway... But, you know, there was something just, like, so freeing about it. Like, and that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of like, you know, I'm out of personal experience with her sharing that. It's like when you can really reflect on how generous God's been with you, then it's, it's, it opens up your heart to be generous with other people. And so during Lent, we are given the opportunity, we're invited to uh, be grateful for all we have and turn around and bless others who are less fortunate mm. than us by giving yeah. and giving in a way, you know, maybe to a level where it hurts. And that hurt. Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty hefty bill. Um, wow. That's an yeah. awesome story, but it seems like, and I'm not saying that to pat no, myself no, on I the know, back. I know, I know, but it's I'm a just, great, it illustrates like, exactly the what Lord you're called about. me to do that. Yeah. And it was, I was like, what? I okay. can't, like, I can't do that. How am I supposed to do this? Here's the thing that I want to point out that's so neat about this, though, is that you're, yeah, and it, it's kind of like, it seems like this is all building upon each other. You could never, it seems like you could never really have that realization of how, how 
grateful you are and how generous God's been with you unless you are having a very fruitful, effective prayer life, like the ability to honestly reflect. and uh, Well, I had to hear the Lord say this to me yeah. and know that the Lord was telling me to do this. Yeah, right. So, yes, I mean, that's true. I mean, I think it is the fruit of prayer. So you can see how the one leads. Yeah. You know, if 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 you are living in a place of pride and, and then, you know, and, and struggling with that shame, right, it's hard to be in prayer and communion yeah. with God. Right, 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 right. But when you are in prayer and communion with God, suddenly what opens up is a recognition and realization of all the many ways that God blesses you. Yeah. And and that opens your heart up to gratitude. Yes. And gratitude then opens your heart to generosity. Yeah. So love of Woo. God leads to love of neighbor. That's yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Yeah. So we have one more. We have one more. And uh, that uh, is the lust of the flesh. Right, so the gratification of pleasure, the inordinate desire to gratify with pleasure. So, again, if we're living in a place of pride and struggling with shame, and and also wrestling with um, envy, mm-hmm. right, we're going to be in a world of hurt. It, it's just a really miserable way to live. Sure. Um, to to and and w- our soul, our spirit will writhe in pain when mm. we are living in those places. Like yeah. it's unavoidable and inescapable. And so the natural human tendency is then to just self-medicate and uh, anesthetize that spiritual and existential right. pain with pleasure. Yeah. So we're 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 just going to go binge in some manner. That's that's the way we're going to cope. That's about as good as we can do for ourselves when we're in that mess. So we struggle with the lust of the flesh. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it can take multiple forms. It's not just sexual pleasure, although that's the most drug-inducing and, uh, and intensely pleasurable right. kind of pleasure. But there's food. There's, you know, Netflix. There's yeah. drink. Yep. Yep. Um, check, check, tobacco, check, you know, check. Whatever it Again, is. Not tobacco so much for me. But. Yeah. But, you know, so we struggle with uh, with that. Yeah. And so obviously, and that's that's a that's a that's a that's also part of the moral psychosis is to think that um, the best way to solve the existential pain is by some form of self-medicating yeah. in the form of inordinate pleasure. Yeah. And all we do is get sick. Sick in the head, sick in the heart, sick in the body when we do that. So it's just death. We just expedite the process of decay and corruption in, sure. in, in our lives. Yeah, it's like, an, it's like you're, trying to fill, you're trying to fill a void with stuff that is so temporary and... Um, and then in the, after it after it kind of wears off or after that initial sort of intense like oh that was so good or that you know then it's like ah crap the void is still there <laughs> you know yeah so yeah I mean it it's uh it, that's why Paul says you know the wages of sin is death because we will die we'll die physically and then we'll die spiritually uh, as as we as we embrace all of this yeah. So the anecdote, of course, to that... Anecdote or antidote? Antidote, sorry. <laughs> did I say anecdote the last time? Probably did. No. Oh, that's no. funny, the antidote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know. Gosh. 
That's so typical of me. But anyway, so yeah, the antidote, um, the remedy. I'm just trying to help your pride there, yes, buddy. Yes, thank you. You, you are, because that's done. <laughs> that was probably prideful of me I to am just a master say that of I'm words. trying to help you with your pride. All right. Anyway, the antidote to lust of the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Is? Fasting. 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 Yeah. So it, it's when we, when we give up and deprive our bodily desires, mm. um, they're... Their gratification, if you will. Yeah. Um, a lot of things happen for us, but we, we, we temper and, and discipline the appetites of the flesh, which which allows us to have greater command of our will, mm. you know, like our willing and our choosing. Okay? It gives us a greater degree of freedom, right? And I think it also, like the, the poverty of, of want also helps us, reminds us of our dependency yeah. on God because we feel in our flesh um, the weakness of our flesh. And when we do that on purpose, uh, it, 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 it has the power and the possibility for leading us to a, a, a deeper appreciation of how much yeah. we depend upon God yeah. and all that God provides. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it doesn't really matter... Like, the best thing to give up in Lent is the thing for which you have the strongest craving or the strongest attachment, you know, kind of almost addictive yeah. attachment. So right, if it is right. social media, then social media is a great fast. If it is beer, you know, then give up the beer. Yeah. If it is, the you know, the coffee, then give it up, give up the coffee. Yeah. Such are, oftentimes it's not food, but it can be. It can be that we love, you know. Yeah. Potato chips. So, well, yeah, that would be me. So here's my question, because, and I even, I still struggle with this to, the, to date, like, you know, everything that you just said about how we should be approaching that and what the potential of the fruit of it is makes sense in my head, right? The lived experience of, of giving something up that you really, like, have a, have a pleasurable attachment to. Um, the lived experience often is this sucks. Like it's, it's sometimes it's hard to keep that perspective of like, Oh, okay. I, this is like in this, in this pain that I'm experiencing or this deprivation, I have to, I have to remind myself of how much I rely on God. That's hard to do. You know, I, how, how, how are people, how, what can people do? to make that easier to like bring them back to that spot versus like just sitting there and being like, Oh, I'm craving chocolate so much or whatever it is. And kind of wallowing in self pity because of what they had quote, you know, had to give up for Lent. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of mindset things that we can do. One is, is it's always good to have some uh, purpose in mind. So what are you offering up this thing for? Mm. You know, maybe there's a special intention that you have and you're you're going to offer up the suffering that you're experiencing so that God might alleviate the suffering of another person mm. that's going through something. That's good. So, you know, that's one thing that we should do. We should always just... It, because we want to take the attention off of ourselves. We're, we shouldn't be the focus of it. Yeah. Secondly, I think meditating and reflecting upon the experience of hunger, an appetite of any kind should lead us to a consideration of those who 
go without things, not because they choose to, but because other people are depriving them of that. Mm. So there, there's people that are starving in the world, for example, or people that are homeless or people or whatever, and and they, um, you know, they 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 suffer a lot, and there's not a whole lot they can do about it. Yeah. So it it. It, again, to meditate upon our own na- kind of natural indigence, like we're all poor, and we just happen to be fortunate that we're not as poor as other people, and yeah. we should be thankful to God for that. But we can also uh, experience a little bit of what it is to go without, and to be reminded in our in our hearts that we are we're all poor and I- indigent uh, in some way. Yeah. And uh, and and we're also fortunate because of the way God does provide. So, you know, that's another thing that we can do. And I think also we can we can if we're all if we are focused on ourselves, we might ask ourselves a deeper question: Why do I need that so much? Like, I was what just what, gonna ask what that. hole am I yeah. filling in my heart um, with food or um, social media, social media yeah, or like, sex or whatever you know, yeah. pornography or whatever it is? Like, what's the hole? And maybe we need to get more in touch with the real hunger in the soul that only God can fill. Which takes you back to prayer, like, right. you know, kind of intensifying yep. your prayer. Yep, exactly. So it's like, a, it's like this little circle. It's like the, well, it's all, it's all connected. Yeah, that's cool. I, <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. I had no idea what you wanted to talk about. And, uh, and I also had no idea about how ill-formed I have been in the ways of Lent. <laughs> so, I, no, I mean, it's it's awesome. My gosh. I, like, there's so much to chew on and, and take away from it. Literally. Yeah. Well, not potato chips, unfortunately. I won't be chewing on them. But uh, not unfortunately. I got to change that mindset and look at it more. Yeah, I like the idea of, because I don't do this well, and I know it's the Catholic thing to say, like, offer it up. And, um, but that takes some, that takes some, I think, personal, like interior discipline to actively, to consciously be thinking every time that I'm, I want to go down that road of like, oh my gosh, I want, you know, like I want a whiskey sour on a a night whenever I'm just relaxing, you know, after a hard day's work to be like thinking of having something in mind, you know, of like, no, I'm going to really going to pray in this moment for that person or that, you know, intention or, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really good. There's a lot of, there's a lot in here. Yeah. I mean, we could, there's a lot more to say, but, but I think that is maybe by way of conclusion, just to say Lent is a time, I mean, the church isn't trying to make us, it's not trying to punish us. Like, that's not the point. The point isn't to be punished and and to uh, and just be miserable, but we're being healed hmm. and restored to the life that God wants us to have, and uh, liberated from the bondage and the form, the chains that we bear yeah. Yeah. in our life. And so it's a restorative season, like going back to the beginning. There's there's preparation. There's things that are happening. Yeah. And we have to be attentive to what the Lord wants to do within us, um, both in this preparatory phase we call Lent, and then what He wants to do in us in the Easter season. And maybe we can circle back into a podcast episode on the graces of the Easter season. Yeah. So cool. I'm I'm willing to end it right there. 
for yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Good. good stuff, man. Nice topic. All right. Well, uh, for those of you who listen out there, if you uh, find this content helpful, please share the podcast with your friends. Like us uh, on your favorite social media platforms. And uh, stay tuned for any upcoming cohorts that we're offering. Of yeah. The Way or On Fire. Help somebody else transfer or transform their land. Like, I, this is really, this is a podcast where I think people could be like, I've never thought, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of people out there like me who who have a, the great intentions, but not the always the best formation. And, you know, to, yeah, I mean, this could really turn around somebody's perspective of what life is all about. So thank you. Oh, well, you're thank welcome. You, sir. You're welcome. All right. All right. We'll see you soon. Yep. Take care. The Wise Guys Podcast is a production of Preambule Group, a Catholic ministry dedicated to helping you thrive in the heart of Jesus. Visit us on the web at preambula.org and follow us on social media.